Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. church planner this is pete mitchell and this is peyton jones and i bet you all thought we weren't coming back we did episode 400 which was a train wreck and then nothing (laughs) yes episode 400 uh version one was a disaster it was a new experience for us and you know i will never i will never let that down in my head like that that'll that'll go down as the worst experience of my life just well you know i literally feel like that was probably an omen that we should just end it right in the podcast yeah maybe we should hey i'm representing exponential here which i'm happy to do but maybe exponential doesn't want me to do that so let me just put my uh, living room back on there. Maybe they should pay. That's all like I'm that? saying. Do you like my living room? Got my Bantha head on the wall there. Oh, that's funny. I didn't notice it at first. You didn't see that. Well, I just thought you had a messy living room. I thought that was just like clothes hanging. Here's my kitchen fireplace. You're killing my head on there. And uh, just every once in a while in a meeting, I like to, I like to have the, the rank or eating the. Uh, what Gamorangard? I was about to say Ugnon. For some reason, I have a picture of Keanu Reeves riting on the back hey, of a Bronco. All I, can but say I don't is, get that one. All I can say is my background fits the shirt. Huh? Did you see that? Oh, no. Were you paying attention? What's, Pay your, attention? what's your shirt? Well, I'm looking at my. Oh, that's cool. And that's the uh, that's from the Mandalorian, right? Is that the one where it crashes no. and he comes oh, out with the dark saber? I have no idea. Boom. Since we're talking uh, church plantology stuff, I'll, I'll put my science, my science background on. I like it. 
So those of you that don't know, I have a book. It's called, <laughs> Pete loves it when I plug, Cha-Ching! I have to, uh, oh yeah, is your background animated? Look at that. No. Look at that. Mine is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I'm on the beach right now. Woo, it's windy. This is why we can't have nice things. You know, uh, take off eh? Hey, you know, uh, most of the people listen to the podcast. They don't watch it on Facebook. They have oh, no idea sorry. what we're doing. We're we're actually changing our backgrounds as we speak. There's a Deftones. There we go. I'll be at the concert with Chino. So, anyways, kind of, kind of where, um, you know, I got a book coming out. Let's just say that Ching. It's called Plantology. Ching. That's the rule. When you plug your book, you got to Ching it. So this is the first time of Ching Plantology. So. Uh, episode 401, baby. It's a new hope. So I've got a new book coming out, Church Plantology. And, uh, wait, it's wait, on wait, 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 wait. You've got a new book? I haven't I've heard about this. I've got a new book, The Art and Science of Church Planting, my good fellow. And it's on Amazon, so you can pre-order it now. But just be aware, it's a textbook. It's not, it's, it's not like $9. It's a little bit more. What are they I charging for it? I don't remember, but it's a lot of money because um, yeah. it's big. It's huge. So uh, here, let's look it up real quick. Only professionalism on this podcast. I should know the price. Of well, you're not book. the publisher, so, you know, I get it. I'm not going to make any money off it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you buy it on Kindle, it's two ninety nine. Nice. And it looks like it's it can't be getting an audiobook. It says this item audiobook could be released on March 16th. I can't picture this is going to have an audiobook. I like it. What if I get paid if I do my own audio? Hey. Hey, I like that picture. Yeah? Yeah, Charlie Marquez sent me a postcard about, about that one. Church huh? planning. You huh? did not do that on our podcast. That's terrible. Come on. Get that's that off funny. there. That's, that's funny. terrible. No, that's terrible. Get that off there. You can't have that on a church planning podcast. I'm ashamed. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Took me long enough. There we go. Yeah. Charlie Marquez sent me that picture of, uh, oh, that's not animated. It does nothing for yeah. me. No. All right. We'll get back. For those of you who listen to the podcast, we apologize. That was a waste of your time. But let me tell you what's not a waste of your time. So, so by the way, you you still been taking the uh, the Sharpie to your arm every day? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every day I retrace it. I get it back on there. So, yeah. And this one, too, with uh, Lord of the Rings. Got is that what that was? I couldn't remember what you said. Mountain. I couldn't That's remember a what you said that top. was. Oh, okay. Dragon up top and Lonely Mountain. It's even got the keyhole, but you can't see it. But it's pretty cool. So um, yeah, I told Jamie that, that I was going to do uh, Star Wars. Yeah. On on my uh, my arm, I'm like Peyton yeah. got a tattoo, so I should be able to get a tattoo. She no. actually thought it was a good idea. Oh. To get oh, the wow. uh, the Rebel emblem. The only thing is, I'm too afraid that they're going to keep screwing up Star Wars, and then I'd be like ashamed. You know that is a problem. You know, uh, anything can happen with Star Wars right now. I knew this guy who was so into Star Wars back in college that before the Phantom Menace came out, he had already had Darth Maul tattooed on himself. And I always thought, what a letdown that must have been when Darth Maul died at the end of Phantom Menace. Heck yeah, man. Because it wasn't until recently that they brought him back to life. Yeah. Well, in the Clone Wars cartoon, quite a few Well, that's what I mean. Recently, they they brought him back. Yeah, that's true. I remember being blown away when I found out that he had a, a, a spider robot 
lower half with his normal Darth Maul torso up top. Uh, that was that was kind of a shock. So when when it happened in Han Solo, I didn't get the full shock value of what. But from what I understand, people that that knew him from the cartoon, they thought it was cool. But people who didn't know about the cartoon are like, "What? He's back? Really? What? What did you? That's stupid." Because they're like, okay. "You chopped him in half." Yeah, like people are upset. But hey, if the Emperor can fall down a pit and still live, so can Darth Maul cut in half. Right. But see, I don't really think the Emperor could. I think that was just just bad Star Wars lore there. It is. And what, it, what's to keep him from coming back now? Right? The only one who can die are good guys. Pretty much. How does the Emperor not come back from this again? Right? Like he's in a Sith temple. Don't tell me that he can't just absorb himself back. It's just going to be a never-ending Emperor Palpatine. That's the reason why I can't get the Star Wars tattoo. I'm too afraid that it's just going to keep getting bad and bad and bad. There are all kinds of weird rumors going around right now. They're going to reboot that franchise. They're going to redo the sequel. I know. That's what I heard. I, trip. I, I they need to. Funny. They need to redo it. They need to give us what. I mean, I, look, I'll always take Star Wars. I mean, I, it's, I, I get mad at them. You know, it's, but it's a low bar. If it's Star Wars, it's always automatically better than Star Trek. And I'm happy. You know, it's like, well, but you know, other than that, we're left with Star Trek. So they invented the lightsaber that'll always make them tops. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so back to, back to church plantology, Pete. Okay. Guess how much. Wait, 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 wait. You've got a book. You've got a book. book. Tell us about this book. It's called church plantology. The art and science of planting churches by Peyton Jones, the third Esquire. I just, I just put that on there because the academic textbook, you got to put fancy things. I don't have a PhD. True or not, but, uh, doesn't really matter. No, no, it doesn't. And uh, I could say Dr. Peyton Jones, right? Like, I, I mean, I did. This is the day and age at which facts no longer matter. It's my chosen personal pronoun, doctor. That is what I will be called from now on. Dr. Peyton Jones. <laughs> it's my chosen personal pronoun. It That's is. the best. No, well, you know, it is the best. It, it's a two-edged sword, baby. And uh, so we got Peyton Jones, Church Plantology, the art and science of planting churches. How much, Pete? Let's 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 bid on it. Okay, this is a game show. This is a game show. I'm going to say 48. Show. 48. Ooh, that would have been better. No, you're a little high, Pete. You're a little high. Uh, then I have no idea. For what's behind door number two, do you want to revise your answer? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, it's thirty four ninety nine. That's not expensive. Give me fifty dollars. That's well, a, for a book. That's but it's hardcover, hardcover thirty four ninety nine. But a fat little Kindle twenty two ninety nine four hundred and something pages. That's a big book. I guess so. You're really proud of it, aren't you? I'm pretty proud of it. I'm I'm even well, proud of the fact that did, I rate eight hundred pages. Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't you <laughs> like have like another book left over? I did, and I do. What are you gonna do with that one? Well, I'm not allowed to tell Andrea this, but I I wanted to be Plantology 201, and uh, she not she's not too thrilled on that. But I have I have plans. I have I have plans. I want to go deeper into those subjects with what had to be cut out because really it had to be a basic starting level church planning book. Um, but I think it's meaty. I mean, the academic editor, their senior editor, is on her. I was like, whoa, you know, she literally said, wow, you know your stuff. That you know, they they read it. Both editors have been super complimentary towards it. So 
I think it's an okay book because when you're writing an academic book and you don't got that PhD, there's some insecurity. I, I had an academic short man syndrome, you know, and there were times I'm like, hey, dude, stop trying to be academic. In fact, I have a, I have a writer's group called the Inklings and uh, they, they, they were telling me off in the bit, they're like, hey, hey, stay Peyton Jones. So at a certain point, I had decided, am I going to write to the professor or am I going to write to the student? And uh, I started writing to the student and found my voice again. See, like, I really like wonder, what, what do they do with a church planting textbook? Because you got to get a teacher to actually make that part of the syllabus. Yes. And that means, well, first of all, there aren't that many Christian schools, and there are even less that have anything to do with church planting. And then you got to find those teachers and there's going to be just a few of them that say, yeah, we think you ought to. Oh, totally. I mean, some people will see that there's no PhD there and they'll be like, "Eh," right. Um, Because Paul had a PhD. So did Peter. Um, So, you know, that that's important. But uh, so did Wesley, by the way, Um, (laughs) he did have his MDF, but here's the thing. Um, And I, and I do, I I have my MA theology, not quite an MDF, but I, I, I have that. So, uh, but, you know, again, intellectual short man syndrome, I, you know, hey, here's what they asked for, a practitioner textbook. That's what I gave them. So it's not an academic textbook, even though it's in their academic, it's a practitioner textbook. But anyways, the point of all this is you can pre-order it now. It releases on March 16th. That's the day before St. Patrick's Day, isn't it? I don't know, but I told you I'm not buying because I'm not mentioned. You are mentioned in the acknowledgements. I don't think I am. I think if, if anything, I think you said you were going to use my name as like a villain in one of your stories. No, what I said is in the acknowledgements, I say um, typically acknowledgements reserved for when you thank others. But in this case, I would just like to give a shout out to Pete Mitchell, who with my help has worked so hard to get in ultimate shape. And so I like reverse the acknowledgement. And uh, that would actually make me proud. That would make me proud enough to frame (laughs) the book if that were true. That's so good. Oh, it's good. What have you been doing, man? You've been gone for three weeks. Where you been? I've been camping. I've been camping. I've been, uh, I did RV share, which is um, you go online and you borrow someone's RV, you rent it from them. It's Airbnb uh, for RV. It is. And it was a really good experience. Um, we had so much fun. We went, we went with Chris Langham from Through the Word nice. um, up to, by the way, uh, did, I, did I mention that my peace plan was on uh, version on front page? I don't even know what that means. I did it. I did it. I did it. They're doing these things called Bible Basics, three-part series. Anyways, if you open up the Bible app, um, it's been front and center. I don't know if it is today, but over the last few weeks. Um, spin the peace plan and they've had like an insane amount of downloads in memberships. Nice. So through the words of Bible app, um, sorry, I know this is all commercial. I'm not meaning this to be commercials, but I went with Chris Langham and it was supposed to be a through the word trip. We're like, we're like walking and hiking and filming videos and stopping along the way, but it was so deathly hot. And I had the Doby puppy, um, Abby. And so I took her back to the, to the motorhome, fired up the old AC and, I was like so long through the word, but they were heading up to, they were heading up further North. We were at Pinnacles national park and all the caves were closed because of COVID because there's bats in there. I don't ask. So, well, are you going to eat them? 
I guess they were going to poop on us and give us COVID. So uh, uh, you only get it from eating bats. Oh, well, you can't rule out the possibility. I mean, you know, you, you, uh, is it bat season? Have you seen that meme that says scientists yesterday and it's things like we're going to go to Mars and we're going to, we're going to build a space station and, um, we're going to discover life on new planets. And then, uh, and they go scientists today. No, the, the earth is not flat. <laughs> yes, I have. Masks seen that. will help you. And, uh, it, it was so funny. I was like, I was like, oh, and vaccines are are healthy. Um, it was so funny. And then and then the guy wrote, tough tough days to be a scientist. Um, but you know, uh, basically, I mean, yeah, who who knows what people do? So, anyways, we said sayonara. Went to a place called Big Basin, which is just south of what's on your screen there, south of San Fran, the little peninsula that makes up the basin, um, south of San Fran, um, the opening of the bay. There's a redwood forest there. I did not know about. It was originally called the California State Redwood Forest. It is incredible. Really? And we went and stayed there. Not many people know about it. I lived my whole life there, and I've never been there. Nobody knows about Big Basin. In fact, we were able to get a spot, and it was just like going to the the Redwoods, but it was an hour away from Pinnacles. So we're like, oh, this is a win. So we told uh, the Langhams, hey, you guys go on without us. We're, we're, you know, we'll see you later. But I was going to say what ended up happening was we went to, um, uh, from there, we came home. We were back for one day to unpack and repack. I worked another day at Exponential and then drove right back up north to the east side of Yosemite and camped out at Silver Lake, which uh, was pretty Mm -hmm. rad. And we we did all kinds of cool things, man. It was was neat. That's cool. Go there every year. My uh, my wife won't camp, so... Well, you got a glamp. We had a trailer dropped off. She won't do terrible. an RV either. Oh, she's yeah. She's she's not doing that. We went to uh, Lake Las Vegas, which is our annual getaway, and it was hot. It was 115 yeah, degrees. I, you know, I saw you in Vegas, and I was like, "That Vegas and Pete don't seem to mix." Oh no, totally. I would absolutely. I'd move there if I could. Why don't you come to to Carlsbad? Go to Legoland and we'll hang out. Because your kids think it's lame now, huh? No. First of all, I don't have passes anymore, and secondly, the COVID. Oh yeah, uh, there is that little thing. Legoland's probably closed. That's true. I don't Although know. Vegas I, I is not they, closed. Is they it? opened up part of uh, Legoland. That's what I heard. Oh, did they? Yeah. So, but. Um, Vegas was funny in that the governor's order was you had to wear masks in stores. And so every store, because all we do is we go to the malls, right? We don't, we don't gamble or anything like that. Right. And all of the benches say uh, the bench is closed due to COVID-19 and everyone's still sitting on the bench because they're like, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. We can't sit because of COVID-19. That's funny. So and then uh, in Henderson, where I mean, because that's where Lake Las Vegas is. That's where we were at. The I don't know if it's a county of Henderson or city of Henderson. I, I have no idea. They closed spas, like you couldn't be in a jacuzzi because of COVID nineteen. You could be in the pool, but not in the jacuzzi. Whoa! So uh, apparently, even though heat kills the virus, right? Well, apparently, chlorine only kills it in the pool. It won't kill it in a jacuzzi. 
Oh, you know why? Because of the six foot thing. Yeah, yeah that's what we figured. Together, yeah. So we, of course, just ignored that and went in the jacuzzi anyway. Wow. Because that's how my family roll. Yeah, man. Train up so, your kids right. Well, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm i at a place right now where um, after being gone for two weeks and being out in the wilderness, that was definitely the COVID COVID holiday of choice. Really? Oh, we weren't around anybody. It was great, mm. you know? So, yep. Nobody yeah. telling you what to do. Nobody, you know, which... I don't mind, but I mean, uh, I'll say this. It always weirds me out that you go into the restaurant with your mask on and just while you're going through the front door and then you go sit at your table and then they're like, it's safe now. You know, um, we're not going to carry the virus from, you know, uh, the waitress to you. I mean, they're all wearing masks, but it's just, it's weird to me. It's really weird to me. Um, I don't. You know, I don't mind. I don't mind. There was an article that uh, the Wisconsin, I think it was like their health department, put out a memo to all their employees that they're required to wear a mask even on Zoom calls. Really? People are deranged. Even on Zoom calls. People are deranged. They are literally out of their minds. They are. I mean, I always tell people that, you know, remember, um, the, the basic assumption about people is that we're stupid. I mean, there's a reason God had to unpack the law in great detail. Instead of, he could have just said what Jesus said at the beginning, love your neighbor, love God with all your heart, love your neighbors yourself. You fulfill those. You've kept all the law. I'll save you a bunch of time, a bunch of ink and parchment. But people are stupid. So when I was going through Leviticus, if you remember through the word, I was like, Hey, look, this is because we're stupid. God had to unpack that and spell out. So if you're walking in the field and your neighbor's cow falls in the pit, you know, you, you got to help them. Like, that's how stupid we are. And God had to spell it out. So I, I think God thinks we're stupid. And um, I know we're stupid. So I know that God knows we're stupid. We are stupid. Mm, stupid people. Yeah. Well, everybody except for me and you, Pete. Well, at least me. <laughs> I ain't speaking for you, man. <laughs> Dude, all I know is your daughter is my favorite person on the planet. Yes. Yes. She, uh, I texted Pete that she, <laughs> she was looking at Facebook. She saw a picture of Pete on Facebook and she goes, dad, Pete Mitchell's fitter than you. And I had nothing. I couldn't argue. I'm like, that's right, babe. He sure is. <laughs> I am now Pete's fat friend. <laughs> <laughs> I predicted this. You'll remember podcast listeners. I predicted one day people will be like, oh, Peyton Jones, Pete Mitchell's fat friend. Yeah. It's so funny, man. I had to, I literally had to Facebook that. I was like, this is hilarious. I got to put this one up. And Pete sends me pictures of him flexing his muscles. He does. <laughs> but I'm and, smart and enough not to put those on Facebook. On a, on a loop. He'll send me pictures of him flexing. And uh, that was the so- best. It's all. <laughs> but seriously like homeboy's got some striations going on in those muscles it's impressive i i gotta say it's actually impressive i'm like it's it's all photoshop baby it's all photoshop well i i used to work out pretty hardcore when i was younger and you know the sean t stuff not that long ago 
Oh gosh, yes, that was the best shape I've been in since I was really? back that age. But I used to go to the gym every day. I would eat. I would read all the muscle and fitness magazines. I would stretch like mad. I would, I would do all that stuff. My diet was super honed. Like I used to be super into that, and I I would try to get shredded, and and then you know I kind of went ah I'm not gonna do that anymore. And then uh, yeah, so. I don't know, man. So when I see you doing it, I'm like, oh, he's doing that right for sure. Then the results. I, uh, I, I, I don't know if I've shown you, but I actually have a home gym now since all the gyms closed. I was like, I've I'm not seen doing- it in many of the pictures in the background. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. It also means things like, don't miss leg day. <laughs> oh, dude, it's the best, man. You become man. that guy. Oh, totally. 100%. <laughs> I've decided I'm going to let my Instagram account become Ooh, that account. And so like so on funny. Instagram, that's where all the pictures go. <laughs> Motivation Monday. You're going to be doing that soon, but nothing wrong with that. To be honest, I'm super proud of you, man, that that is taking a ton of work and dedication. And I got big respect for that because I ain't yeah. doing it as my daughter pointed out. So, yeah, well, you know, I still got, I still got goals for where I want to get to. I'm, I, I, I don't think I can get there at this point without drastic changes that I'm not necessarily willing to do. So yeah. We'll yeah. See. Well, you know, everybody, everybody kind of has their place where they go. Okay. I'm cool. I'm good. I think, I think I'm good where I'm at. Hey, this is my new office. Can you see it? I can actually. Do you like, I was like, I don't think that's a picture because why would you have a picture of just like okay. wood? This is, this is all that banging and hammering that's been going on for a long time. So that's it. Don't let them put walls up. I no, like no walls. Are, that's what we call an open floor plan. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, I can, you know, Hey kids, I can see you stop that. You know, I can see through the entire house and uh, yeah. Check I'm this like out. Kidding, though. I use you as my excuse to Jamie as to why I need to be allowed to get a tattoo. And right there is where I've always wanted one, right where you got yours. Yeah. Right there. The forearm. Can't get a job. I'm unemployable now. And uh, boom, right there. So can't get a job. If I ever go back into nursing, I have to wear long sleeve shirts and that, that will be a punishment. Skin's got to breathe. So, all right. Well, Hey, should we go ahead and get into our, um, great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Yeah, baby. So what we're going to do today, I, I think last time we talked, we talked about some of Paul's, um, foundations, of where he, you know, where, where his rookie mistakes is what we talked about. And today we're going to talk about some of Paul's uh, foundational wisdom in church planning. So, you know, Paul, Paul makes the, you know, the statement where he says, I laid a foundation um, and now others are building on it. Um, and, and, and as he, as he talks about it, he's really, at one point, he says, I laid a foundation like a wise and master builder. So Paul saw, when he thought of church planting, and I, uh, it, look, when you, re- when you write a book on church planting, you talk a lot about, um, you read a lot about church planting. And almost to a T, every church planting book I, I picked up, the author would be like, well, you know, um, there's nothing about church planting in the Bible. And as if they were saying something profound. But here's the deal. Anywhere there was a church, 
it was a church plant. I mean, that's still true today, but I mean, these were young church plants. So the old saying that the fish is the last one to notice the water, of course, the, of course, the New Testament doesn't talk about church planting because churches were church plants. Like they were just churches to them, right? <laughs> it, 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 there was no distinction because there weren't old churches. There was only church plants. Mm. So they just called that church, right? So um, even though there's not like this, I, I always find it, I find it weird. I'm like, okay, that that's great. You think you're being profound, but you're being kind of lame here because the fish is the last one to notice the water. But Paul said, I did it like a wise and master builder when he was with the Corinthians. Now, we know that he that was a second missionary journey. So we talked last episode that Paul made tons of mistakes. And I, you know, I, I didn't unpack all the mistakes. I didn't even unpack all the lessons he learned from his first three journeys. Um, but Paul, Paul knew he was not the architect right? Paul knew he was the contractor. He was the foundation layer. Others would come and build. He he knew he had his role. I lay this, I leave the church behind, others come and build on it. Um, but I am carrying out the plans of the chief architect manifesting his thoughts into reality. So like all of us, I mean, Paul says, I, I built like a wise and master builder. I mean, I've had a whole slew of contractors coming and going in my house. But um, you don't start off that way. I mean, you start off not knowing what you're doing. You start off as a journeyman and you apprentice under somebody else. So Paul um, apprenticed to a certain degree um, when he went to Antioch for a year and just witnessed what God was doing when there was no leadership. They sent Barnabas up there, Jerusalem did. And then Paul goes with him because he's like, well, Barnabas trained. Closer to the train now. So Paul goes up with him and um, Barnabas is taking the lead and Paul's learning. He's watching what's happening in a movement, um, in a spirit-led church plant that's being led completely by non-leaders, right? These were just people from Jerusalem who got scattered. The Bible tells us they got scattered up north to Antioch and uh, during the persecution and that the gospel spread all throughout that region. Then it tells you that many were coming to faith in Antioch. And so then the apostles send Barnabas up there. And Paul learns that, right? He learns that. But, you know, if you're looking at a foundation layer, like I laid a foundation in my house. I had a, um, the, the foundation layer, he doesn't just dig a hole and pour cement in it. He says, where are the blueprints? There's a schematic drawing of the measurements and even the alignment of the foundation to, you know, north, south, east, and west, there's degrees. It's got to be aligned to a certain degree. Um, and, and there's, you know, it's got to be this deep. The mixture has to be this much. So there are plans and blueprints. And that's, that's what Paul's saying is he's saying, I literally, I, there's an architect and I'm, I'm following his plan and I'm doing it. So, one of the things that you'll you'll notice when you listen to this podcast is we're always talking about first century blueprints. We're always talking about what Paul did, but what were Paul's blueprints? If Paul was the first century um, planter, what was he following? So there's three things that I would give you that Paul uh, used to help inform him. Because remember, he was journeyman; he made tons of mistakes. But how did Paul learn? What? What? I was just looking at DJ's comment on Facebook. 
You put don't miss leg day like fried chicken. <laughs> He's still going on about your health. I just now looked at it. I just now saw That's it. That's funny. That's funny. Do you have that? Do you have a fried chicken day? Every day is fried chicken day. Yeah, baby. Can you, oh, are you chicken. on that diet? Yeah, you're on the carnivore diet, right? I, I'm not on the carnivore diet like I was. You <laughs> you have to listen to that episode of the From Concealment I will. Podcast. I, I plan on it. It's no, on No, I'm list. serious. It's one of those things that I could not in a million years bring over to the Church Planner Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. But it is like... I had so many, because we got so many pastors who listen to that podcast because they all heard about it from this one. And they're like, one, one he literally Facebooks me and he goes, uh, just so you know, I already told my wife I was going on the carnivore diet. It had nothing to do with your podcast because once That's you hear funny. it, you will totally get it. It's hilarious. That's funny. Well, all right. So I'll, I'll give that a listen. But okay, so back to Paul's blueprints. What were his blueprints? Um, number one, he had the Old Testament. Now, I know that sounds weird. You think, whoa, wait a second. It's the New Testament, not the Old Testament. So how did Paul use the Old Testament to church plan? Well, hold on. Not that. Number two, he had the gospel blueprints. In other words, he trained under Gamaliel. Gamaliel was familiar with Jesus's ministry. Acts 22, verse 3, um, we're told that he tra- he's trained under him. Um, and Gamaliel appears in the book of Acts, you know, when the when the apostles are just getting started. So he was part of the Sanhedrin. But, um, but Paul studied under that dude. And he studied and imitated the life of Gamaliel. And so um, he knew what it was to imitate a rabbi. Well, Jesus was considered a rabbi. So Paul would have taken um, his understanding of what it is to follow a rabbi under Gamaliel, and he would have applied that to Jesus. He would have seen Jesus as the new rabbi. Gamaliel was world famous, historically famous, still quoted today in Jewish circles. Um, Super, super famous. His son was famous, um, but Jesus was Paul's new rabbi. So Jesus, Paul would have been asking Barnabas, who was there during Jesus's ministry. Um, he would have uh, he, he would have tried to figure out from as many people as possible what Jesus said and did, and he would have followed Jesus as his rabbi. Number three, his practical experiences. So um, as Paul, it's, it's trial and error. As Paul was planting on his first and second missionary journey, he was making mistakes and he learned. So anything you want to say? No. Oh, okay. Um, so Paul's application. Uh, so let's deal with number one, the Old Testament in his blueprints, um, the Old Testament blueprints. So Paul, um, Paul was never, his, his knowledge of the Old Testament was so thorough that even when he was doing New Testament ministry, he's constantly drawing from Old Testament principles. He, he never gets away from that. So, for example, um, Paul quotes Deuteronomy 25.4 uh, about treating an oxen well. We were just talking about the law because we're stupid. And Paul talks about paying ministers, and he quotes this thing about don't muzzle the ox while he treads a grain. So, Paul right there is applying an Old Testament passage about oxen, extrapolating the principle and applying it to ministry in a church planning context. And he he even writes um, in Timothy, do I say this from a human perspective? Doesn't the law say the same thing for it is written in the law of Moses? Do not muzzle an ox while it's trading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? 
isn't he actually speaking on our behalf? Indeed, this was written for us. Sorry, that's 1 Corinthians 9. So for Paul, passages even about livestock apply to how people treat human beings. Paul's like, well, if God cares about oxen, so we can take that principle out. So to me, that is super, super fascinating that Paul's constantly interacting with Old Testament scriptures um, to figure out how to do ministry in the New Testament context, which kind of tells you if we want to follow suit, we also can take Old Testament principles and surprise, surprise, New Testament principles. And if Paul was doing that in his context of the Testament he had, maybe we ought to be applying it, New Testament principles to what we're doing, which will not be at variance with Old Testament principles. That's kind of it. There's a, there's a continuity there. Um, also, uh, when Paul talks about laying the foundation, um, he's actually speaking about the temple. So you can read various passages about laying a foundation stone, like uh, Isaiah 28, 16, see I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. And of course, Paul says later, after he says, I lay a foundation, others are building on it. I like a wise and master builder. Um, right in that same passage, he says, for no man can lay any other foundation than the one that was already laid, namely Christ. So what Paul sees himself doing when he's church plans, he's really laying the foundation of Jesus in a local area. He's not using the foundation as being, here, I'm going to build this church structure and this organization. He's saying, I am going to um, put a, a, a Christ's presence here, Christ himself here. Everything else will be built on top of him, right? That's, that's a little bit of a departure from how we think about it. But he's literally taken that from Isaiah and he clarifies, I don't mean I'm building a building. I don't mean I'm building an institution. I mean, I'm laying the foundation of Jesus himself here, which is pretty rad. So um, anyways, uh, so when whenever you see um, foundation laying in the Old Testament as well, you see that um, it's linked with the Holy Spirit. So Paul, obviously, um, in Proverbs 8, 28, when it says, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed the foundations of, of the deep, when he says, I laid a foundation like a wise and master builder, his mind's going to Proverbs. Like the dude just knew the scripture so well that he's, I, I think personally, he's going back um, when he says, I did it with wisdom. He's talking He's literally bleeding, like Spurgeon said, bibbling blood. You prick him, he, he bleeds bibbling blood type. Um, so he says, I laid it wisely because Proverbs, that famous chapter eight passage is about uh, God laying the foundation of the earth with wisdom at his right hand. Wisdom saying, I was there. Um, he laid it with my wisdom. Um, and also, uh, uh, gosh, there's so much here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead. Um, the mission mandate of the Old Testament. Um, Paul, Paul was using that from the Old Testament. So, for example, kingdom expansion, when God said, be fruitful and multiply to Adam and Eve, Paul's mind's on that. He's not, he's not, he knows that the mandate has never changed from creation to when Jesus makes the new creation. He, he knows that God always, his plan was to, to spread out and multiply, to be fruitful and multiply. Paul applies that to the New Testament context that we are to be fruitful and multiply. In Habakkuk, 
even after the fall, because we were like, well, you know, that was before the fall. After the fall, the mission of God on earth is seen in Habakkuk 2.14, and it says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so that was the original intention that because man glorified God, he was in his image. Um, to glorify God means to <clears throat> proclaim him. And Adam and Eve naturally did that because they were in God's image. So they radiated his glory off themselves. The more of them there were, the more that, and they spread out and covered the globe, the more of God's glory would cover the earth through Adam and Eve, just having sex, having kids, right? Uh, making more of them, more, more children meant more of the image of God covering the face of the earth. So when um, Paul sees that, um, in the New Testament context, he sees it and he quotes this, that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. He quotes this later and he keeps speaking about Christ's glory and God's glory. So that was the global, that was the mission. The mission mandated the Old Testament, but Paul also knows that it's global. It's going to, it's not just Israel. Like you read the Old Testament, um, Israel's kingdom expands, but Paul understood enough of the Old Testament where you're reading Isaiah and God says, this is going to go out to all nations. When I do this new thing, it will go to all nations. So hardwired into the Old Testament is the idea that everything that God is doing in Israel will one day cover the earth. And of course, that's the, the day and age we live in, the fulfillment of that biblical prophecy of the, of the prophets. And meanwhile, uh, you know, understand that when these prophecies were being made to Isaiah and Jeremiah, they were losing. They were losing. They were in danger of being annihilated. And God is saying, don't worry, I'm going to do this new thing and I'm going to cover the earth with my glory. And so Paul had this kind of confidence that it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter that the Roman Empire is just steamrolling the, the Western world. It doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter that the Middle East has just been trounced and trampled. It doesn't matter. God, when, when they were losing, promised this, and it's happening. He sent his son into this time. So now we come into our day and age, and we got to have that same confidence. It doesn't matter, like, what people tell you, right? Like, uh, right now, I'm, I'm reading all these things. You know, the church has to change if it's going to survive or this or that. No, it doesn't. The church needs to keep preaching the gospel that Paul preached. It needs to keep doing what it's done. Now, I'm not saying it keeps behaving the way it's always behaving. I'll say it keeps the structures it's always had. But what I'm saying is the answer is not to change the message of the gospel. The answer is to preach the gospel all the more. If we're going to survive, um, it's the preaching of the gospel. It's always led to the survival of the church. And that's what Paul did. Paul just knew. Um, and, uh, you know, the global mission of the Old Testament um, is seen even way back in Genesis 12, 3, where God says to Abraham, I'll bless you, and through you, I will bless the entire world. And um, God spoke uh, prophetically to foreigners like Balaam, who is a prophet, a pagan prophet, who saw in Numbers 24, 17, God's glory. There's my, my favorite passage out of the entire Pentateuch is when Balaam is, you know, he's Balaam's donkey, you know, he's, he's a false prophet. He's been sent by King, King Balak to curse Moses and the armies of Israel. And so he's on this, this ledge and he, you know, Balak is there behind him going, curse him, go on, curse him. And he goes, okay, here he goes. And he, he starts to give the prophecy. And my favorite one is in, uh, cause he does it three times. And each time he, cur he blesses them. He can't help it. 
because the the unction and the oracle comes upon him. And whereas this guy was a pagan, he's probably normally just, you know, demonically influenced. At this point, the spirit of the Lord, it says the spirit of the Lord comes on him and he blesses the people. And Balak gets mad at him. On his third time, he says this, and it's really powerful. Um, He says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. That gives me chills, right? Because I see him, but not now. Like there's this messianic prophecy. It's the third one. It's the big one. And Balak just finally says, forget it. You're done, right? And uh, so, so, but he sees the Messiah. Now that prophecy, by the way, Balaam was from Babylon. Um, So not only was Balaam's prophecy there um, as an oracle, but the Babylonian wise men through Daniel, Daniel also, if you remember, was a wise man in Babylon. Um, that was his role. He was the chief wise man. He was the chief Magi, so to speak. Of course, he got his oracles from God and um, was God's representative and a prophet. Um, but he was there to be the king's oracle. And so what happens is when Daniel sees all these, he sees again, remember the same prophecy, he sees the star coming from heaven. And when he sees that, he says, hey, I'm, I'm doing a podcast Mom here, babe. Oh, cool. That's rad. Wonderful. <laughs> They're telling me, let's see, I'm the coffee slave. They're telling me, go get mommy coffee. Tell, tell mommy that the coffee is made. It's there. So, um, so <laughs> anyways, that's, that's how it rolls in the Jones house. So anyways, so there's a star. And the star that Balaam sees, Daniel sees the same thing. He sees this meteorite coming from heaven that strikes the statues. And he says, and that kingdom will dominate, will conquer all the other kingdoms, and it will have no end. It will be eternal. That is the everlasting kingdom and the everlasting king. So when you see that, then the Magi, when they come in the New Testament, they say, where is the king? For we have seen his star when it, ro- when it rose, and we have come to worship him. So that's the connection. Often at Christmas time, we totally don't even get this thread that God was working in these other nations, these pagan nations, way earlier, right, to, to get the gospel out. Paul sees this. So like when Paul goes in, um, to Athens, and he walks through the city, and he looks at their pagan statues— Paul's such a scholar of the Old Testament as a Pharisee, he knows God is at work in that. Now that he understands the gospel, he knows God is at work in foreign nations. He's already beat me there. So here he's there, and I'm going to preach this unknown God to you because you know about him. You just don't know what to call him. And so that was Paul's kind of whole missionary approach is he's already here. God's already laid the framework. And of course, any of you that uh, are students of missiology and you, you, you read, um, you know, uh, books on missiology, um, even I, I've never read Henry Blackaby's book, but, but I've read so many quotes and everybody tells me that um, his whole thing is, is get involved in what God's already doing, mm-hmm. church planner, in your neighborhood. God's already at work there. 
And I can remember learning that pre, like personally. And I've told the story a million times. I showed up in that woman's house and the presence of God was so thick. You could cut it with a knife because she'd been reading her Al-Anon book. That lady came to faith, got baptized with the Holy Spirit, was just crazy filled with the Spirit. Um, another woman, she was a Buddhist. Um, she had a vision of Jesus in her garage. Or she was hammering like all these supernatural things. And that was God teaching me, hey, dude, Peyton, I'm here. I beat you here. You, you didn't get here. You didn't bring me here. I was already here working. And that was so transformative to me as a missionary. Um, it changed everything, even, even Long Beach. Um, you know, the one day that we're looking and doing like a prayer fast, not a fast, not a prayer walk, but a, a prayer drive through the city. There's this black gospel choir in this, in this park. And we stopped and everyone in the car is crying and, because they're like, that's it. That's where we got to meet Bixby Park. And I'm going, dang it. I don't want to meet there, you know, but it was obvious. I knew this is God. So Paul kind of knew that God, he, he understood the global call to the nations. And more than anyone, I, I would say, you know, when, when Paul is a Pharisee, it's, it's, not, it's not an accident that God used a Pharisee because Paul would have known the Old Testament so well. The Jews puzzled off and like, well, maybe when the Messiah comes, he'll force everyone to bow the knee. And then the whole world will serve and worship God. And then we will take this just like the, the, the Romans, the Pax Romana, you know, the, the, the Pax of uh, Christi, it, it will dominate the world because Jesus will make them. And Paul says, yeah, that, that, that's true. Every knee, every tongue confess, every knee will bow, but that's much later. That's not God's plan. God's plan wasn't to take the world by force. God's plan was to fill the earth with his glory by us being fruitful and multiplying. The mandate, the mission mandate hasn't changed. The global scope has not changed. What's changed is it's to be done through the church. And um, Ephesians really kind of unpacks that theologically. Um, but, you know, uh, even, even going back, like Paul would have understood, even the very first uh, book written um, in the prophets was the book of Noah, where he's told to go to the Assyrians, the enemies that wiped out Israel, who were barbaric and tortured people and uh, in, invented um, crucifixion. And he was told to go to them and share the gospel. He doesn't want to because he's like, that's like going to the Nazis. No way. They're evil. They're too evil for your grace. And, but God goes, no, you got to go to them. They're, they're one of the nations I love and I'm going to reach. So the very first Old Testament prophetic book in the, in the category of the prophets written was the book of Jonah. And um, it's a global missionary book. And it's a book about global missions. And, um, so, you know, Paul, Paul knows all this and he's studying and when he goes and I'm going to close here, but when, when, uh, Paul goes to Arabia and he, um, he, he spends those years, um, studying, um, when he's back in Tarsus and Arabia and some Samaria, he's studying all these and he's trying to piece together, I believe what he knew of the Old Testament and how that coincided with Christ coming as the Messiah, not in force, but in submission. 
submission to the father, but also submitting himself to the hands of men, which made no, 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 no sense to any Jew. But as Paul's going away and he's, he's mulling that over, he knows that as Jesus said to him in Acts 27, when he appeared to him, think of Jesus's words in this context, I will rescue from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes. Um, so that's, that's pretty amazing. You know, so Paul knew that. So, uh, sorry, that was, I, I, I didn't get very far in my, um, but I, I, I hope you enjoyed that today. That that's, but what's uh, the takeaway you want people to take from that? I want people to take away. I think it, it, at the bottom line, I would say to read the old Testament and love the old Testament and apply it to your situation, apply the, the apply, extract the principles like Paul did. And, and see that as these are, these are for today. It's like when, when they go to Peter, Hey, you know, what is this with the Holy Spirit? And he goes, Oh, that's what Joel spoke about. You know, the unlocking of everyone's gifts through the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what's happening here. Like we don't read the old Testament through those eyes and, and apply these gems and nuggets. We would never exposit like they did. I always felt like the, uh, I, I remember my new Testament exegesis professor, he had a topic called, the New Testament apostles, bad exegetes, question mark, because, you know, the way they use the Old Testament scriptures. And yet, um, Alex Lamanaggio, who is a new breed church planner, um, he posted about the patristic fathers, like the, the pre uh, and post Nicenes, and then the, the, the anti Nicenes or the pre's and then the Nicenes. Those church fathers, as we call them, they very much read the scripture this way. And he just posted on New Breed's um, Facebook group, uh, which is a network I run. He just posted an article about that and said, man, this transformed the way. And I, and I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at to a certain degree. It's all in the book. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, as we continue to move towards uh, our relaunch of how to plant churches, we're still in the theory part. We're still in the foundation laying part. We're still kind of getting you to think about it. I think right before we talk about the practical side. So yeah, while you're thinking about all that church planning, Pete, and uh, laying all those foundations, uh, you don't have time to run your, uh, your, your bookkeeping, your office administration, all that kind of stuff. Pete, what do you do about that? Well, usually it involves fraud. <laughs> don't say that. Definitely don't ever, ever, ever. Uh, make um, a, a joke on email when the uh, merchant account is on the line and talk about how you committed fraud. Oh my <laughs> the church bank's account. They, they may just close you off in the merchant account let's and just, notify the authorities. Let's also say that uh, don't email Pete when he has nothing to do with your church anymore and include him in on it. Like You don't want him on it. Let's just leave it like that. That's funny. Until then, I use simplifychurch.com. That's rad. That's rad. Well, simplifychurch.com. And uh, I'm not just a, a client. I'm the president. No, I actually have been using Simplify Church for many moons, I think, since 2013 or 14. Uh, right? Whenever they started advertising, that would be about the time. Which was probably 2013 or 14. I mean, it's been a long time. So I am a long-term uh, member. If they 
pulled this ad out today, I'd probably pay for their services because they are just awesome. So go on over, um, give them a call. A lot of it is the IRS compliancy. And now that you've just done all your, your taxes, just know that's a big deal. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? I tried to mask it. I, I burped. I hear I was giving them a great commercial and I had to like mute a burp, you know? You're killing me, Smalls. Uh, yeah, We're such a professional it podcast. Such uh, professional. And it was a good ad. It was a good ad. And then the fates just decided, nope, can't have a good ad for Simplified Church. I'm going to give you a little gas. And uh, boom, just just had to choke that burp down mid-sentence. Well, let's just head on over to SimplifiedChurch.com. <laughs> reach out to Josh Henry and tell him Pete and Peyton sent you. Yep. And you know our commercials are part of the best part of this podcast. For that very reason. So if you want to sponsor the uh, Church Planner Podcast, just you know, send an e- email right on over. All right. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today. It's been Peyton and Pete reminding you that Pete has awesome guns. But also on top of that, um, and I'm not talking about the kind he takes his shooting range. I'm talking about the kind he's, you know. But they are awesome, the ones I take to the shooting range. They're I'm great. talking about the guns you have when you don't need your guns. That's what uh, I'm which way to the gym? <laughs> All right. Well, hey, it's been Peyton and Pete reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Magazine.com.